Grace be to you at peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Continue with our reading of Jesus' high priestly prayer from John chapter 17. But now I am coming to you, and I am saying these things in the world, so that they may be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. The world hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, the glory you gave me because you loved me before the world's foundation. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Everyone's familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We say it together in church every Sunday. Most people probably included in their daily prayers or a part of their own private devotions. It's very familiar to us. It's the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples when they asked him the question, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? These words in John chapter 17 are also a prayer, usually, as I mentioned, called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's not a prayer that Jesus gave to teach people how to pray, but it's a prayer that he actually prayed on our behalf. On Ascension, we're reminded that one of the things that Jesus is doing now that he has ascended and returned to the right hand of the Father is that he's interceding for us. He's praying for us. And since these words of John 17 are an example of Jesus praying for us, They give us insight as to what Jesus might actually be asking the Father to do on our behalf still today. And as we look at these words, three things stand out. Jesus is praying, he's asking on our behalf that we would be protected. He's asking on our behalf that the Father would sanctify us. And then he's asking that the Father would glorify us. Jesus begins this portion of his prayer by pointing out that those to whom he has given his word, the truth, they're hated by the world. They're not of the world any more than he is of the world. One of the things that the the world seems to hate most is those who believe and confess that God's word is the truth. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The world doesn't want to hear that Jesus is the only way. Or that God's word is truth. Very often the powers that be don't want any Christian to stand up and say, well, you know, God's authority is greater than man's authority, your authority. They don't want people saying that 
I trust God's word more than I trust science. Science changes all the time, doesn't it? We've heard that the world hates this kind of thing. Always been that way. Nebuchadnezzar had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace because they said, we respect God's authority more than we respect your authority, O king. The disciples were often persecuted because they said, we have a king greater than Caesar. We have someone whose authority we, we respect more than Caesar. In recent days, we've seen similar things in our world today in regard to, to churches and Christians. <clears throat> there are some who have been following guidelines for distancing, like we are, sanitizing, like we are, but they've still been cited for disorderly conduct. Remains to be seen what's going to happen in Wisconsin. There are those uh, churches, church bodies actually, who said they're going to defy the governor's order there because they see it's discrimination if other places can open up and they can't gather for worship. President Trump read the order on Friday from the CDC that said churches are to be considered essential because of our sinful nature. None of us by nature wants to submit to God's authority. We want to be God ourselves. Because of our sinful nature, none of us wants to submit ourselves to God's will. We want to do our own thing. Because of our sinful nature, we don't want to hear that what's true We're sinners deserving God's eternal wrath and punishment. We want to argue with that and say, but I'm not that bad, am I? There's lots of people that are worse than I, and I'm I'm better than most, aren't I? Only those who have received from Jesus God's word of truth, who have been born again of water and the Spirit, can fight against that sinful nature that wants to rebel against God and his will and fight against the desire to go along with the world, to be not just in the world, but part of the world. can stand up for God and his word as the truth. But Jesus reminds us, as Peter did, when we do that, the world's going to hate us. Not only does the world hate us, but the evil one, the devil, is after us. Peter says, pictures him like that roaring lion who's just looking for an opportunity to devour us. But he doesn't show himself as a lion, does he? Or even as a little guy with a red suit and horns and a pointy pitchfork. He's smarter than that. No, he comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He comes quoting God's word for his own purposes. He comes in disguise. He comes telling us that his ways are really the right way because they're the loving way. 
And after all, isn't that what Jesus said, that we're to love our neighbor as ourself? Paul reminds us that as long as we live on this world, the sinful world, our struggle isn't just going to be against flesh and blood, not just against our own sinful nature, not against, just against the world that hates us, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if you were Jesus, what would you ask? What would you want God to do? Would you say, God, why don't you, like so many people think, have a, have a rapture, you know, just zap all the Christians out of here and let the unbelievers stay behind? Or maybe at least just put us in some kind of a protective bubble of some kind that, that keeps us safe from all of the troubles and the hatred and the attacks of Satan. If we have to be here, at least put us in this big bubble. You probably notice that's not what Jesus prayed for, is it? He prayed, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. To understand why Jesus would not ask that God would just take us out of this world in order to protect us, all we have to do is remember what Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven. He told them that they were to be his witnesses. He told them repentance and forgiveness of sins was to be preached to all nations. They were to share everything that he had taught them, everything that they had seen and heard with as many as possible, starting in Jerusalem and then going to Judea and Samaria and not stopping until they had reached the ends of the earth. He tells them, he told us, tells us we're to be salt and light in the world. He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And for his own good reason, he's decided the way that that happens is when one person who's a Christian shares the good news about Jesus with another person. In order for that to happen, we have to be in the world, right? If he were to take us out of the world as soon as we came to faith, then we couldn't be his witnesses in the world. If we don't have any interaction with unbelievers, we just kind of keep in a little bubble to ourselves, then we can't be witnesses and share the good news with others. When you're tempted to think that maybe the, the best thing that Jesus could do or ask for is that the Father would just take us now, take us to heaven now, get us out of this world when you're tired of fighting against your sinful nature, when you're tired of the hatred of the world because you believe in Christ, when you're tired of Satan's attacks. Confess your impatience. Rejoice that Jesus has forgiven that impatience. Focus on the reason that God still wants you here. He has a purpose for you. He's praying that you're protected, but he wants you to be his witnesses, to share the good news of Jesus with everyone to the very ends of the earth, to be salt and light in the world. Remember that Jesus is still praying for you at the right hand of the Father, still praying that the Father would protect you as you do God's will. 
Second thing that Jesus asked the Father to do on our behalf and on behalf of his disciples is to sanctify us. That's not an everyday word, is it? Probably a word you only hear in church. So it's probably good that we define what, what does it mean to be sanctified? What is Jesus asking? Well, maybe you remember the definition that you might have been taught back in Sunday school or catechism class to sanctify means to make holy. Doesn't really help, doesn't really explain what it means. As you look throughout the Bible and you think, how is that word used in the Bible? It's always used with this idea of setting someone or something aside for a holy purpose, for a godly purpose. Setting someone or something aside for God. That's really the meaning here. We can see it as Jesus says, as I sent as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. The disciples had been sanctified. They had been called out of the world to faith in Jesus to serve God and be his witnesses in all the world. And that happened, Jesus says, by the truth. What's the truth? He said, right? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What a wonderful thing it is that Jesus said that he has sanctified himself for us on our behalf. He set himself aside for a holy purpose. He set himself aside to carry out the Father's will, to come down to earth, to live and die in our place so that we would know that our sins are all forgiven. Then as the Holy Spirit brings us to faith, we would be sanctified, set apart for a holy purpose, set apart to serve God and to do his will. Be eager to do what he's called us to do. Jesus continues to pray that we would be sanctified, that we would be set aside by the truth to proclaim the truth of salvation to all people, that we, in thankfulness for what he's done for us, would offer ourselves each day as living sacrifices to God, that we would learn to pray each day as he did, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. The third thing that Jesus asked the Father on behalf of the disciples and on our behalf is that we would see his glory and that we would be glorified with him. Peter, James, and John saw a little bit of his glory, didn't they? They were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and all of a sudden Jesus is shining like the sun and he's talking in glory with Moses and Elijah. It was just a glimpse of glory, wasn't it? They couldn't stay even though Peter wanted to. They had to go back down the mountain and face all of the hatred and the trials and troubles of this world. The group that went with Jesus up on the Mount of Olives saw a little bit of his glory. They saw him floating up, levitating up into the sky until a cloud hid him from their sight. And they saw the glory of heaven those two angels in shining white clothes appearing to them. But remember the message of the angels, right? You can't just stay here staring up into heaven. Jesus gave you some work to do. 
said, be my witnesses. Share the good news of the gospel with all people, with all nations, before he comes back in glory. Through the disciples' eyes, through the words that the Holy Spirit caused them to write and then recorded and preserved for us still today, we see a glimpse of Jesus' glory. We see him walking on water. We see him healing every sickness and disease. We see him casting out demons and raising the dead. We see him on the Mount of Transfiguration through the eyes of the disciples, shining in glory, talking with Moses and Elijah. We see him after his resurrection in his glorious resurrected body, appearing to his disciples in the upper room, inviting them to come and touch him. He's real. He really rose. And giving them peace. At the end of the Bible, we see him through the eyes of John, as Jesus appears to him like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. Imagine how wonderful it will be when, just as the angel said, we see Jesus coming just as he went into heaven, coming in the clouds of heaven, only this time shining in all of his glory. When he does, he'll raise all the dead, give to you and to me and all believers a glorified body that'll be like his glorified body. He'll banish all sickness and all disease, Satan won't be able to touch us. The world that hates us will be gone. There'll be no death. He'll take us to be with him in that place where we don't need any sun or moon or stars. He gives us the light. But we won't ever have to lock a door because there won't be any evil. We'll be able to be truly sanctified, to serve him gladly and perfectly, forever and ever. As you face trials and troubles and temptations, the hatred of the world, the attacks of Satan, as you strive to dedicate yourself to the truth and to serving God, remember what Jesus is praying. He's asking the Father on your behalf to protect you, to sanctify you, and to glorify you. The thing he wants more than anything else is that you would get to see him in his glory and live with him in his glory forever and ever. Remember, whatever we face in this world, because of Jesus' prayer, because of what we're looking forward to, what he has won for us, any of those things that we face in this life are like a drop in the bucket compared to the glory that will be revealed in us when Jesus comes again in the clouds. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.